Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post Woke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense. Like just let it take the wheel, (laughs) take it from my hands. (laughs) Oh my lord! (laughs) I I wish, I wish you uh, maybe you could edit that into the episode. That, of course, was best friend of the podcast, Allison Gray, and yours truly, having some fun as we led up to the recording. And you're about to hear our entire brand new conversation right after this word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here, and I'm asking you to offer some support for a project that I've been running for nearly six years. It's called Helping Homeless Women NYC. And as the name implies, I've been getting out there on the streets for, like I said, nearly six years to offer direct relief to some of the most vulnerable yet fiercest women you'll ever want to meet. If you check the show notes, you will find a direct link for how to donate at GoFundMe. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon patron or in ordering uh, restaurant gift cards directly from my wish list, shoot me an email and I'll send you that information. But I'm just requesting some support, thanking you in advance and asking you no matter what to please share the link far and wide. Now, let's get back to the show. And I'm here with best friend of the podcast, Allison Gray. Allison, welcome. I don't even know the number anymore. It's about 14th or 15th time you've been on. My bazillionth time on. Yeah, I think that's the correct mathematical term. <laughs> and and it and um, I want to jump right into something, though, because um, you do the theme music on the show. You've done previous theme music, which was excerpts from your first album, Run, mm-hmm. Rabbit, Run. And I recommend that people go back and check out that episode from last um, late August, early September. But right now, you are very excitedly involved in your second album. Yeah. And um, it's kind of kicked in. It's been rocking all along, but it's kicked into a new momentum very recently. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what you're up to in the studio? Woo! Okay. So I have been working on my full-length album, Ugly, since May of last year. And in May, I hadn't even finished mixing and mastering Run Rabbit Run yet, but I the inspiration just, you know, I didn't want to miss that train. So I just started working on it when the inspiration struck. And, um, you know, up until this point, it's just been me producing and and adding the different elements to the song and recording the vocals and writing the lyrics and doing all the conceptualization. And I just today officially launched the next phase of the production process where I bring other people in on it and it's no longer just my album. And this is the part of the art making process where you have to like swallow your ego and and learn how to trust other artists and and put your minds together and accept that um you can't do everything alone i mean i i i'm choosing not to do everything alone let me put it that way i could just use programmed drums on my songs i could do all the mixing and mastering myself um but i am choosing to bring other people on board because um as scary as it is to put your baby in someone else's hands and hope that they handle it with care. Um, it's also so fulfilling, you know, to, to enter that space where you're co-creating with other people. So I've got a live drummer coming in to, um, record like real drums, acoustic drums, instead of the program drums that I have in my demos. And then from there, I'm going to get a session guitarist to re-record the, the guitar plugins that I have. And, then it's going to get mixed and mastered. And it's like, this is where it really starts. You know what I mean? Like I've had a year to just savor and enjoy the process alone. 
And now um, I have to do that vulnerable trust fall thing where I'm I'm putting my music into other people's hands. So so it's exciting and frightening, and and I'm 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 so happy. I'm so so happy. Yeah, I could hear the excitement in your voice, and <laughs> and um, it it sounds really awesome because music. I mean, in any artistic venture, the step you're taking that trust fall is is crucial and necessary to some degree. But there's something about music, the collaboration of musicians that uh, in my in my personal opinion, um, stands alone in other forms of art. Like for example, I remember when I got my first ever book deal and I handed in literally a physical, that's how long ago it was, a physical first draft. And the company Soft Skull Press had um, an editor on staff, Nick, who went through it and um, it was such a learning experience when I saw his notes. And it was just a reminder that he is seeing the book and reading the book through his eyes and his perception and his history mm-hmm. and, and his biases and his whatever it might be, as, as I did when I wrote it. And I, it, it, it felt like a trust fall. Some of the times that he made corrections felt like a little uh, a little like oh man that one hurt but but ultimately the, his, he made the book so so much better the collaboration was outstanding and i have nothing but faith that um that that's going to be the case with you because this thing with music there's something it's it's one thing with a writer and an editor but but musicians even if they're not in the same room there's there's a certain magic to it that is irreplaceable and unique I mean, I, I truly believe that music is one step down from telepathy. I think the communication of emotions and experiences through music is as close as we can get to just straight up transmitting our truths from heart to heart without speaking or without making any noise. And so, um, so yeah, it actually, that ties into conversations we've been having recently about what it would take to have a genuinely spiritually telepathic society. Mm. You know, because we have the false version of telepathy, which is cell phone communication and other digital communications where people people think that the technology we have today is advanced and it's a sign of how much humanity is evolving. But I actually see modern technology as a counterfeit version of the organic spiritual evolutionary path because we literally do have the ability to speak to each other telepathically. I've experienced it with my loved ones. I've experienced it with animals and plants. I mean, it's it's way more common than people might realize, you know, for, for people to communicate non-verbally um, through, through energetic mm-hmm. impressions that they send, like, through the airwaves, through the ether. Um, and yet we've got this transhumanist behemoth in our culture making people believe that actually you need a cell phone to be able to, to speak to someone who's far away from you. You know what I mean? And it's, there's so much to be said about how transhumanism has pulled the wool over humanity's eyes as to how powerful we intrinsically are. Yeah. I I want to be, there's so much to respond to there, but I want to actually catch myself real quick. Mm -hmm. I do want to add in the art form of dance as another one Mm -hmm. that is a form of communication and stands differently away from say painting and writing, not better or worse, but it gets closer to music. But I, I I don't want to disrespect dance. Um, But Mm -hmm. to come back to what you said, yeah, you, you and I recently spoke about how there have been documented cases of existing human groups, what we would call tribes or indigenous people um, who to this day in 2023 practice telepathy. And it, this isn't um, a one in a million scenario. I, I, As with so many of the inherent instinctual human um, abilities, there, I, I've come to believe now that telepathy is something that has been um, essentially programmed out of the vast majority of humans. I don't know what the parasite class is doing on their own in their, in their um, twisted evil meetings, but they, they certainly don't want us knowing what their thoughts are for, for obvious reasons. I clearly don't have to elaborate on that. Mm-hmm. So if we, this is yet another um, human ability that sounds incredibly worthy of reclaiming and at the very least just exploring and learning more about. 
Oh, yes. This is what I live for. And this is actually what motivates my music. I am all about reminding people that humans can fly. And and most people think of that as the like most extreme uh, manifestation of, of human spiritual potential. However, um, it doesn't have to be extreme. Like there are other powers that we can tap into quite casually. So telepathy is one of them. And um, people like when you think about it, a lot of the powers that people think of as superpowers, we actually casually do on a regular basis. It's just that we have been programmed and groomed to think of these things as not powers at all, but actually just kind of like quirks of humanity. Like think about the phenomenon of people finishing each other's sentences. Like, yes, two people can know each other quite well and like make general predictions about the way that a loved one might answer a question or, or something, but to, to literally finish each other's sentences, like using specific words and anticipating the exact sentence that was about to come out of their mouth, that is telepathy. And yeah. if you'll notice, it happens. It tends to happen with people who love each other, who have a, a strong, loving, trusting bond between themselves, like friends and family. So uh, I, I just would invite people to, follow that golden thread so to speak of of peculiar little moments in life that make you wonder hmm i wonder how that happened because those are the the clues that'll lead you back to your own power it's just that you have to not be afraid to find out what more you're capable of yeah to use to use an example that has become a bit of a cliche, but to me, never, ever gets tired. Everyone can relate to a feeling that someone behind them is staring at them mm -hmm. and then turn around and someone behind them is staring at them. Like, how do you know that? Well, we know that because we have powers to discern such things. And to bring it back to telepathy, um, I'm going to touch on some of the stuff that you and I were talking about where it, it brought to me, when we first had this conversation, it brought to me... Um, some very spontaneous and maybe kind of quirky um, responses, but I was like, wow, the, we wouldn't be able to keep secrets from each other to mm -hmm. some degree. Mm -hmm. And that could be really, really valuable. Um, it, it, I mean, in the long term, it's incredibly valuable, but in the current world we live in, it could be tricky because we live in a world where we, we all keep so much hidden and in many cases, um, on purpose for nefarious reasons, but I, I was musing with you that it would change um, something even like playing sports, where if if a quarterback tells the wide receiver to fake left and go right, and the, so the when the wide receiver is about to start running, their brain is saying fake left and go right. Well, the person covering them might be able to tell what they're doing, so it could change the entire concept of mm -hmm. recreation as we know it today which i none of this stuff sounds daunting or or, or uh, intimidating to me like i think an upheaval of culture and society sounds like a much needed um concept mm -hmm. right now it, even if you don't even want to call it an upheaval it could be a return to when telepathic communication was considered the norm and i do again urge people to just simply go to their nearest search engine and look up to see um how this what we're talking about is not um, speculation. There are there are people who do this, and there actually are quote unquote scientific studies that show how possible this is. Okay, so I'm going to challenge you on the search engine thing. I actually feel very strongly that the impetus or the impulse to search for proof and validation from Google or from the internet or just from other people online to find out if someone's experiences are valid, if these things really happen, that is a byproduct of a disempowered state of being. It is that behavior of wanting to run one's ideas by the collective before, before being um, willing to accept the truth is it's it's counterproductive to actual gnosis like embodied gnosis of of what the truth is and how reality really functions so um i was actually talking about this on tessa's podcast which should be going live soon so by the time your listeners hear this they they could probably go over and see me talk about that as well um there's a lot of um 
giving away of authority that happens very habitually and, and automatically in people in general. This isn't just one group of people. It's like someone might say, oh, I, um, I had a strange dream last night. I wonder what it meant. And then it's, people will tell them, oh, dreams are just hallucinations from your mind and you shouldn't pay that much attention to them. Um, and then it, there's something that happens in the mind that causes the person to reject their own sense that the dream was important because someone else told them, you know, it doesn't mean anything. And and we let me use a less metaphysical example. Um, even in the truther community, there was a lot of people saying, I don't need to get the vaccine. And here's all the, the hidden scientific studies that they don't want you to know about. Here's all the counter evidence um, to the vaccine saying it's actually quite dangerous. Here's all the studies saying that it causes heart problems. And like and there's a lot of you like, you know, collecting validation in the form of like other people's knowledge and other people's writing. And what that actually is, is someone not being willing to just say, well, I feel the truth from within my own core. I have sourced the truth from within my true self. And I don't need a reason to not take a vaccine. I don't need validation or justification or scientific evidence that that I'm allowed to not take the vaccine just on the basis of being a human being with free will. I don't have to take the vaccine. And so that's what gnosis is. It's that willingness to recognize the truth when you feel it from internally rather than seeking it from an external source. And so to, to tie it back to what you said and why I said I was challenging you, um, yes, there is plenty of scientific proof that paranormal stuff is real, that telepathy is real, that telekinesis is real and all of this stuff. But even if there was no proof on the outside, even if there was no scientific proof, that wouldn't necessarily mean that it's not real and that it doesn't happen. And so I want people to learn how to get into the habit of trusting that when they experience something that makes them go, huh, I wonder what that was about, that regardless of what the outer world says, you absolutely do have permission to follow that golden thread back into your own inner world and find the gnosis from within. So, so that's, mm -hmm. that's what I meant by challenging you. And I hope that didn't come across as like confrontational. Oh, or anything. Of course not. No, it, it, it it's interesting because once you, I wasn't sure which direction you were going to go in with the challenge. Um, maybe even I, my initial thought might've been that um, Google censors most of this stuff that oh it does you know, so, so, the, so like there's like when i said oh go to your nearest search engine you'll find plenty i'm i'm being i guess i'm being a little bit um disingenuous because you'll i should say go to your no nearest search engine and you'll find a tiny percentage of the documented the accepted realities of this like how a uh, description oh, of it you know yeah. what you will find you'll find yourself starting to get targeted ads for people with schizoaffective yeah, um, yeah, disorder yeah. and stuff like that. Do you think you have a purpose? You yeah. might be schizoaffective. <laughs> How dare you have a mission? Like, but, uh, but, but, I, but point well taken. And I would say that what resonated with me in terms of why I was clarifying that it, saying something like, well, people listening might be thinking, um, it, it was, it was, uh, I would dare say that it was less me, um, um, surrendering to so-called experts, but me surrendering to anxiety of like this fear of embarrassment, like, oh, people are going to think we're crazy. Mm. And that's something I've discussed with you on several episodes where I come out, I've always been that type of person. But then when I started a writing career and then moving into podcasting, I'm, I, I get very much into fact-based stuff. And then I have to get more comfortable with saying, por que no los dos, I can do both. And, and so I, what I did there was kind of outed myself as being um, embarrassed at the possibility of being thought that I'm crazy about telepathy, but your point is well taken. And another quick uh, tangent, when you said, when you said, for example, dreams, right after you mentioned um, not having to uh, ask Google for permission to have this opinion, it made me think that how often do you, do people have a dream and they don't understand it and they go to Google mm -hmm. and say, what does it mean? And what 
I've been keeping a dream journal and, and doing, um, in 2023, I have been reclaiming my ability to remember my dreams. And I, one of the things that I've been consciously doing is just uh, interpreting them myself because even if well-meaning people are documented on a search engine talking about the what this means or that means, of course, it, it's filtered through their lens and we don't even know what their lens is. It could Their lens is probably clouded, like all of ours, with everything you just said in the challenge to me. So it, 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 I saw that as another opportunity to say you don't even – you don't have to – go to quote-unquote experts to interpret your dream and that's another human power to dream mm -hmm. to remember them and to understand them and it just takes practice because you're not going to understand your dreams the first time around but the more dedication you put to it you'll start to get a lot of meaning out of them oh there's so much to say there <laughs> i i want to quickly i want to quickly answer the dream thing because um like, you know, since I was mentioning like human superpowers, I've actually had experiences where I had a dream, it, it, like a highly detailed and specific dream. And then the next day at school, my this acquaintance of mine said, hey, I dreamed about you last night. And she proceeded to describe everything that happened in my dream, but from like her vantage point as like a witness, like in the dream, I, I was a zombie assassin. And I was like wearing all this black leather and I had this big like machine gun and I was with this man who I, I don't know who he is in real life. But in the dream, he was this white man with black hair and, and we were like doing parkour and like jumping off of buildings and like shooting all these zombies. And then and for some reason, everything in the dream was red, like the sky was red and the buildings were red. And then when she described the dream to me, she said, I saw you and this guy and he was white with black hair and you guys were wearing leather and you had these big guns and you were shooting all these zombies. And you know how shocked I was, Mickey, when she told me that I was like, wait, I, like I had heard that dreams take place in another realm. I had heard that it's a collective plane that anyone can access and that's that's called the astral but I had never experienced the proof of it that someone else had basically accessed my dream without me telling them anything wow. about it and for me and so you know try googling shared dreams you're not going to find anything but propaganda about how, oh, dreams are just hallucinations. And if you all dreamed of the same thing on the same night, then it was a coincidence. Like, And <laughs> so real quick, I'm going to wrap up that point by saying I have written at length about the problem of trying to use the scientific method to understand parapsychology. I've written about that on my Substack. It, it's an article called Faith is a Function, Why You Never See Proof of the Paranormal. So we could put that in the show notes. But then Absolutely. I also, I really, uh, it, I say this in the article, but I'm going to, while I'm here, I'm going to answer your point about um, using Google and, and there being a hidden fear of feeling crazy or being perceived as crazy. I don't think, and, and I'm calling myself out here on how I made my point earlier. I don't think that using or appealing to scientific studies is necessarily a bad thing or a sign of like not being willing to take a stand on an, on a feeling that you have, it, it can also be something that bridges the gap for people who tend to think um, in just hylic terms. So to help them get to the point where they're openly considering that the paranormal may be real and that humans do have spiritual power, um, they might need to see a scientific study or two to begin their journey. But then hopefully over time they become willing to unlearn this idea that um, the scientific method is the only way to understand our world. Because I know that's a radical statement on my part, but the scientific method is not appropriate for understanding every single element of reality. Oh yeah. And before I reply, in case anyone isn't sure, could you define the word Heilic? Yeah. Heilic is a word that comes from the Gnostics. Um, it means someone who is materially oriented. So someone who just thinks in material, physical terms, like they think that the material world is all there is, that they, they don't, they don't think that the spirit realm or the soul is real, or if it is real, they just, they have this idea that it's imposed, like it's um incredibly limited. It's limited to physical parameters. And so the, the step up from that is um, a psychic 
a psychic is someone who is aware of their soul and of the spirit realm and to some degree or not can exercise their spiritual power. So like these abilities I mentioned before, like telekinesis, telepathy and things like that. And then, um, oh my God, there's a third one. It's like, they believe it's a hierarchy, which I think is kind of unfair. Like, you know, to say, oh, people who aren't spiritually awakened are like at the bottom of the hierarchy. Yeah. Like, I don't want to say it like that, but in their framework, there was the, the Hylix were at the bottom, the psychics were a step up from that. And at the moment, I guess, I think it was Gnostic. Like, like to call oneself Gnostic was essentially to call yourself fully awakened and say that you you totally get that we're in an illusion and, and, you know, the inner world is the true world and that's where real knowledge comes from and that sort of thing. I could be getting that third one wrong. I don't know if it's Gnostic or some other word, but yeah, the, basically a high, like is just someone who is like, you know, like a, a total science head, like, Oh, if yeah. you can't prove it to me it, with logic and reason, then it's not true. And it's like, well, what if certain things in existence aren't logical and reasonable? Like, I don't think God is logical, but that doesn't mean God isn't real. <laughs> yeah, well, excellent segue, because um, I'm thinking about how the the difference between a hylic and, and a psychic, for example, um, when you described the psychic, you said for one reason or other, they, they can access these skills. Mm -hmm. And I think one of those reasons would be faith, and you described your article, Faith is a Function. And mm -hmm. just this week, actually, I say this week, but I'm peek behind the curtain. I'm not exactly sure when this episode will come out, so it might be last week. But if someone scrolls on my po post woke um, Substack, they will see that I wrote an article called Walk by Faith as a Form of Manifestation, mm -hmm. which um, which dovetails with this in the sense that um, th that faith stands alone where you like you said, doesn't you don't have to throw shade at all science. You know, obviously right. in 2023, to remain safe and healthy, it makes a lot of sense to question all science. Actually, in any year, it makes a lot of sense to question it, but it doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater. But when you talk about faith, and like you said, God not necessarily being quote-unquote logic, faith is something that... that um, I am relearning because as someone who went to 12 years of Catholic school, um, faith was such a big word back then, but I feel like I didn't, I didn't have it presented to me in an accessible way. And in the article that I taught, that I just mentioned that I, on my, my um, sub stack, I put a clip in there from the show, the chosen of one of my favorite biblical stories of a, a sick woman who believed so intensely that all she would have to do is touch Jesus's, the fringe of his robe and she would be healed. And she does it without him knowing. And then he eventually tells her it wasn't the robe that healed you. It was your faith. Your faith made you well. Mm -hmm. And that to me is, is a story. I, I could watch that clip every single day because it's like, when I look at it, I just say like hashtag goals. Like I, I want to, I want to have that kind of faith because I live in this world. I'm born and raised in this world. I write, I'm very fact oriented in a lot of ways in my life. And it's, it's been a difficult um, balancing act for me, but one that I, intend to keep going on and 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 I think I'm making progress on but I, it's it it all comes down ultimately because no matter how the hylics or the atheist crowd or whatever you want to call them the science heads as you call them no matter what they say or do they are behaving from their own form of faith and they'll they'll mm -hmm. shrug at that word but um they'll bow down before you know Neil deGrasse Tyson and and treat and treat his words as gospel and that sounds like faith to me so um mm -hmm. i figured let's uh segue into some more faith related topics here yeah i used to think faith was for stupid people i i thought faith meant you were weak-minded like because because uh, to be fair the role models i had of faith growing up were really not thinking that deeply like like if they couldn't explain something to me if i asked a question like how come god says this or how come this is like this they would just say oh honey god works in mysterious ways you just have to have faith and and like, I don't think they even had faith when I look back on like the kinds of lives they were living and, and the kind of character they had. I think they just were using faith to like cop out of actually having to wrestle with these ethical questions of like, 
is God benevolent? Like, why does God allow certain things and things like that? And so I was very put off to the idea of having faith in this mysterious God um, until very recently when these past six months, you know, were very, very challenging for me. <laughs> Shout out to my Saturn return. Mm. Um, I, but not to blame the planets or anything, but it, it it just so happens that this very difficult season of my life coincided with what people, you know, spookily call the Saturn return. And um, I felt more stuck in my life than ever before. And it was only once I chose to practice having faith that I realized, oh my God, faith is a skill. Faith takes practice. It's not easy. And it's not for weak-minded people. (laughs) Quite the opposite. (laughs) Like I feel so humbled by what the practice of faith is teaching me and how it's building my character because to acknowledge that a loving cosmic being who knows your heart and knows your soul and knows your name and your life and your destiny, that this being loves you and wants to help you, but you have to let them because this this loving being respects your free will. That's what it means to love. They can't force you to feel that love and support and provision. So you have to opt into it. Like the trust fall we were talking about before. You have to trust fall into the arms of an invisible, um, intangible intelligence that really, really loves you. And like it's hard enough to even rationally wrap one's mind around that, but then to actually embody the practice by taking the action of inaction and and not resisting and not fighting it and not trying to fix everything yourself, but to actually believe with your whole heart and body and soul and mind that this loving being really does want to help you and will help you if you just let them, that's hard. It's hard. And I I have so much respect now for people who actually do practice having faith. And now that I'm practicing it, I am already seeing my life flourishing in ways that I don't think it could have before because I was rejecting all of this, all of God's um, attempt to show love to me and to support me in my dreams, you know? And, and I recently had this big epiphany that I was designed to desire by this very God, because it is desire that basically um, leads you back to the heart of God. It is, uh, uh, wow, I actually, I don't really know how to articulate that. So maybe I should leave that point to rest right now and maybe come back to it later or or let people interpret that how they will. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they the, the commenters on my subsect will do will certainly chime <laughs> chime in on that, but I I couldn't agree more. But what what I feel like I wasn't even remotely prepared for during religious training was that um, how how much work and how strong you have to be and how audacious mm-hmm. you have to be to have faith because mm-hmm. it's it's um like yeah like this I. There's multiple levels. You described that the people who taught you about faith, you look back now and you wonder if they even had it. And then there could be people, I might put myself in this category of like, I can intellectually understand it and have this conversation about it, but to consistently embody it um, takes um, a lot more work and, and time and that I've been just, I just haven't gotten fully there yet. But when I, contemplate it and I contemplate the way you describe it is it it's such a desirable belief I, I I don't a desirable goal or place to be I I can't I almost can't understand why people why anybody would dismiss it because mm-hmm. it, it it's it it has a um parent child type of vibe where a, where a healthy parent will protect their child and guide them, but give them the free will to do what they want. And if that child grows up or at any age and becomes a um, counterproductive or, or really bad human being, it, it isn't because the parent didn't love them. The parent, mm. the, they could, they could have come to the parent and say, I'm struggling and, or, 
or they could have not rejected the parents' advice, which would be more Garden of Eden-ish. And, and I think that I know that the, the perspective that I've been able to shift into when revisiting what was imposed upon me in school as a child um, has been very liberating. And I feel like um, it, it's, it's completely unexpected like, to be in this position at this point in my life to see all of this um, information and history as if it's like the first time I'm seeing it. Oh, yeah, me too. I'm back on my faith path or not even back on it. I can't say that prior to the past few months, I ever was genuinely on the faith path, because even though I was raised in the church and and quite stringently so, um, I again, I didn't have the role models of faith that my soul craved. And I came away with this sense that everyone was just faking it as a pretense to make other people believe that they were good Christians and they were getting into heaven. But there was very little sincerity in my church. Um, or what sincerity there was, was stifled by the strange, bizarre, competitive spirit of, of that congregation. And, um, there was no room made for my, my, my genuine love of the mystery. I've always been a seeker. I've always loved the paranormal and the occult and things that fall under the category of the eighth house for those uh, astrology lovers listening. I've always loved, um, you know, just spiritual things. And, and, and when that became apparent to my church, um, that was when a lot of my problems started. They just basically perceived me as evil and demonic, which we talked about in our last episode. And, I thought, you know, I came away from that church thinking something was fundamentally wrong with me and that my love of spiritual seeking made me incompatible with God. So how could I ever look more deeply into this this whole system that was anti-me? Like, how could I be pro-God if God was anti-me? You know what I mean? And now with this recent revelation I had that, oh, now now I can articulate what I wanted to say earlier. Um, It dawned on me that, Every facet of spirituality that I love so much, like astrology and tarot and dream work and symbolism and all of these things I'm so curious about and fascinated by, all of these things are God. God is the mystery expressed through these different mediums like astrology and tarot and such. And, And my my heart, which loves the mystery and wants to contemplate it forever, has found an endless mystery to contemplate in God himself. And I am comfortable calling God a he now, which that's a whole other conversation. But the point is, um, I, I realized with glee, with joy and exuberance that the very same seeking tendency in me that the church rejected quite ignorantly was actually exactly how God designed me to be so I could always find God no matter how far I stray away from God. And it was so magnificent to have that realization that God actually loves my questions and God actually loves my love of the mystery because God is the mystery and God wants me to come closer and and dive deeper and deeper into the mystery forever. So it's like it's it's like the most devotional love that exists that it's all set up so that I can get lost in this love forever. That's exactly what I want. And I suddenly feel so embraced and accepted by God, even though the church rejected me, God feels the opposite way about me from what the church, the church was so sure that I was corrupted and evil. Meanwhile, it's like, actually God, this was God's intelligent design. And this is exactly how I'm supposed to be so that I can fall in love with God forever. Like, so Um, I'm in a really good place right now with my relationship with God. I just, I feel the love. I feel the love that people would always say that God was, but it's a different thing to viscerally experience it. And I really want that for everyone, to be honest. I've heard it said that if you are seeking truth, you are seeking God. And I think that's true. I think a lot of the truthers, like, you know, there is unfortunately like a religious overtone to the truther community that it can be off-putting to people and of course with religiosity comes a lot of like um stone-heartedness and closed-mindedness which i think is the opposite of the spirit of of god's love um and so but but i think there is um 
the reason for that correlation between a love of God and a love of truth is because God is the truth. And, and whatever path you take, the beauty of God's all-encompassing nature is that whatever path you take to discover the truth, whether you go exploring politics or go exploring anthropology or history or, or whatever your particular passion is, um, it all leads back to God. And that's like, so whatever it is you're seeking, ultimately you will find it because seek and you shall find is a cosmic law. It's not just poetry. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> I, I'm going to, I'm going to quickly respond to that with my own um, experience and then give you the last word before we wrap up. But okay. it, as you were saying that, it made me think of what, I've come to really appreciate about Jesus and actually the way you said you're such a seeker and that's your path. And I've always been somebody that um, people call a rebel and, and questioning and, and not necessarily predictable as to who and why and when and where I'm questioning. When I reflect back to when Jesus was on earth and he's walking around where you have Romans um, in charge as a military power. And then for, for Jesus's uh, family and friends and religion, you had Pharisees who probably saw themselves to some degree like um, in an American political system, whichever party wasn't in power at the moment. So they're just like the opposition, just waiting mm. to step in. And and when I, when I learn of how Jesus stood up to both of them and exposed both of their corruption i just say oh man that <laughs> now i get it because that like my whole um writing career i would say to people oh the primary difference between republicans and democrats is they tell different lies to get elected and mm -hmm. i would be i, I would give, be giving talks or whatever and be getting like really like booed out of the place because like especially after obama got elected and and people couldn't understand that if I if I criticized Obama, that didn't mean I supported Republicans and vice versa. And when I when I learned more about Jesus, like just calling out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, and then of course just standing in legitimate rebellion of the of the false power of the Romans, I had that same feeling of like, oh, this is this is kind of I relate to that, and that ended up being my path in and it's not something sure it's, it, it it makes you lose friends at times and people don't like to to um, find out that just because I share their disdain of the 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 woke crowd right now doesn't mean I'm in line with everything else they think of and sometimes that upsets them and I'm like no that's I'm not trying to upset anyone I'm just being me and I found suddenly I find the ultimate role model of this and I'm like ah oh, okay I feel much better about this mm. this life path that I'm on so that you know I, I I was just thinking of this while you were talking about being a seeker so I haven't really fleshed it out but I appreciate you making that um clarifying that thought and inspiring me to to say what I just said but to think more about it but on that note before I don't want us to go too far time wise here I want to flip back to you to give you the last word on the podcast in terms of like we covered a pretty diverse uh, amount of ground here let's see uh, uh, uh the deep sea anglerfish telepathy shared dreams god <laughs> i mean google uh, yeah <laughs> so so um the the floor is yours a couple of minutes just wrap up and, and uh and talk to us well, you know what? I guess I could say I could tie it back to my album, which we talked about in the beginning. Like I went into the process of making this album thinking it was going to be like a Gnostic album. And, you know, if, if if their listeners are not super familiar with Gnosticism, it's like it's like basically where all the modern conspiracies about reptilians and stuff come from. It's like it's very conspiratorial and a bit paranoid and there's like all this concern about the archons keeping us trapped on this planet and stuff. So there are songs on the album that um, lift text from, from Gnostic Gnostic texts. So for example, there's a song called Sophia's prayer and it quotes the Pista Sophia and things like that. There's a song called Pleroma, but then curiously in the past six months, like as I've deepened my faith, which was a surprise 
to me, like total surprise to me more than anyone, um, is that I ended up coming back to like Christianity proper, not and any when I say proper, I don't even mean conservative Christianity. I mean like orthodoxy, like like the original mystical church. And that gets like no airtime. Everyone makes it out to be like, oh, the church is just a big fight between Catholicism and the Protestants. But it's like there's actually a church that goes further back than that. And that's the orthodoxy. So that's what I've been into lately. And, And my album, with all its challenges and stuff, made me contemplate for the first time, like what it would mean to surrender to God and to have faith. And you know, when I say things to people like, oh, you can create your own reality with your thoughts. That's all it takes. I want to apologize for how flippant I've been about that in the past, because now that I'm practicing faith, I realize like, yes, even though it's possible to influence reality just with your thoughts, that doesn't mean it's easy. It does take practice and work. However, it is fair in that anyone and everyone can do it. And in fact, we are divinely imbued with the ability to do this and and called by God to create our realities. There are so many Bible verses that talk about the importance of being careful what you say, being careful what you meditate upon, being careful what kinds of people you hang out with. Like all of this points back to the, the reality that we do influence creation And this is a a heavy, divine responsibility. And this album schooled me in that, like really showed me my own thought patterns and my own um, disempowerments and forced me to take responsibility for the ways in which I was still acting powerless to my life. And it was only when I decided to really reclaim my faith in that way and trust that God really does want to see me living my best life. And he wants that for everyone. It was only then when things started moving again. And um, so that's that's what this, the, this album's medicine is. That's what it has been for me. And that is really what I hope it will be for people once it's time for the release and everyone else gets to hear it. Fantastic. I, that's, you did a wonderful job tying that all back together. Oh, good. <laughs> and and um, just to let people know, if they check the show notes, there'll be links in there to Allison's music or Substack. Oh, I and- want to mention that some some of the songs that are both on the album and some of the songs that didn't make it to the album, I am posting on my Bandcamp backstage, which is like a, a membership to all the music I don't release publicly. So if anybody wants to get like a behind the scenes look at the album and hear the demos before anyone else and that sort of thing, they're on my Bandcamp backstage. Okay, that link will be in the show notes. Allison, as always, it was a pleasure and I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Post Woke. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me and thank you everyone for listening with an open heart. I'll be back with some closing thoughts after one more word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here. I trust you're enjoying this episode, but I wanted to take a quick break to request that you seriously consider becoming a paid subscriber to Post Woke, because Post Woke is more than this podcast, which is a weekly podcast with crucial, important conversations with crucial and important guests. Post Woke is also a Substack on which I post on a daily basis. I'm talking about written posts. And I, first and foremost, I am a writer. I have 12 books out and I have been writing for many decades. And so you are getting quality content at least once a day, all for $5 a month. And no matter what you decide, you can become a free subscriber if you choose. I ask you to please share the link and spread the word. And while you're at it, Check the show notes for information on how to order the post-woke t-shirt. It is a completely cool, kick-ass shirt, and you could show the world what your favorite podcast and Substack is. So I thank you in advance for your support. Again, I urge you to spread the word, and let's get back to the show. In our conversation, Allison and I 
spoke about many of the inherent powers that humans have, but have relinquished for a wide variety of reasons. But I want to close out on this episode by talking about a power that we do have and we do regularly use, and that is time travel. And I don't mean in the back to the future sense. That would be for another conversation. I'm talking about what we do. Almost all of us, if not all of us, do it all day, every day. Because each of us exists in the present moment. Even when we lived in the past, it was the present moment when it happened. As for the future, it's merely a promise we often take for granted. So again, that leaves us right here, right now. Yet, we are allowing our minds to time travel to an imaginary past or future all day long. More accurately, we travel to a selective and self-sabotaging past and future. And without some form of mindfulness, it can be daunting to check this habit. The path to mindfulness appears deceptively simple you know, paying attention, focusing on your breath, and so on. But remember, mindfulness is not a finish line. It is an amorphous journey that requires our ongoing commitment. Yet it is so worth it to cease the eternal time travel and root yourself in the here and now. Our brains are frighteningly susceptible to suggestion. Meanwhile, we are surrounded by humans and their artificial intelligence bots eagerly seeking to capitalize on this reality. Without diligent intellectual self-defense, we are oh-so-easy targets. The parasites try to exploit our humanness to keep us off-balance and compliant. Off-balance and compliant humans will surrender autonomy and rapidly turn on each other, turn on anyone who disagrees with their newly implanted worldview. Take a look around. It's long overdue that we embrace our inherent superpowers, and let's begin with our natural ability to stay in the moment. You don't have to call it mindfulness. Whatever you call it, focus, concentration, presence, awareness, whatever word you use, this practice brings us back home to the present. All of our senses are more engaged. We live life more deeply and profoundly. We take nothing for granted. Our minds, bodies, spirits, and souls are operating in sync. Such a state gives birth to an incredible range of experiences that are blocked when we are coerced into time travel. What this means in societal sense is equally as potent. The fear matrix is depending on you to activate and obey their time travel machines, television, smartphones, social media, etc. They are censoring and programming and conditioning as never before. They are counting on you to surrender the moment to them. But none of their devious tactics matter if you stay consistently present. In fact, their deception and their desperation only become more obvious and more palpable. Your secret weapon, your superpower, is to dramatically reduce your susceptibility to their propaganda. They can't program what they can't reach. So stay present and keep your guard up.